<laughs> Just when you thought everything was fine in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was calm. Nothing else was going to happen after Kyrie Irving opted into his $47 million, excuse me, 35, six, however many million dollars it was, his <laughs> option on Monday. I'm getting his and James Harden confused because of the Woj bomb, Kevin Durant bomb that came out this afternoon, less than 72 hours after Kyrie opted into his deal with the Nets. Woj is reporting that Kevin Durant has requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets, trying to make sense of it all here on Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app alongside Randy Scott. I'm Courtney Cronin sitting in for the guys on this Thursday afternoon. Reminder that free agency in the NBA opens up in less than two hours, but we have this mountain of news sitting on our plate that we have to get to and figure out how, when, why, and who might be next. Let's tap in now with Christian Winfield, New York Daily News Nets reporter, joining us here on the CC call-in line. Christian, I just want to start with with the, the big-picture question of all of this because we know that, publicly speaking, Kevin Durant has always had Kyrie Irving's back. He has never said anything to the contrary that would make you believe, publicly speaking, that he was upset with any of the antics and all of the waiting game that came with Kyrie Irving and his decision to opt in, but... To your understanding, how long has Kevin Durant been thinking that he would end up asking for a trade after all? You know, this has been something that's been on the table since I began my initial reporting back in late May that, you know, if the Nets and Kyrie Irving didn't come to some sort of long-term guaranteed deal, you know, Kevin Durant could be out the door. You got to understand, and Kevin said it himself uh, on a recent podcast, him and Kyrie Irving have a friendship that is just far beyond what happens on the basketball court. And it's kind of perceived disrespect in a way for the Nets, at least in in Kevin's shoes, for, you know, this is a package deal. Kyrie brought Kevin Durant to Brooklyn. They they said that they wanted to to build and win championships together. Uh, And for the Nets to kind of tell Kyrie, hey, you're on a one-year deal. You have to prove that you deserve more guaranteed years. Sure, that's, you know what I'm saying, the Nets are within their right to say that. But in the grand scheme of things, this is a a package deal. And for the Nets to, to kind of, treat Kyrie one way after they already had a, an agreement in some sort to, to build a future around them. This is something that Kevin Durant has been watching at least over the last month or so. And uh, for the Nets and Kyrie not to come to a, some sort of a, a long-term amicable solution, this was always on the table. And today was the day that he eventually said, hey, let, let, let's get this going. I went out of Brooklyn. Christian, we're, we were talking about like uh, – Things behind the scenes with this Nets team, and to say nothing of Ben Simmons, I mean, there's that whole element and dynamic with it. But the Kyrie and Ky- Kyrie rather and KD friendship, like you said, transcending basketball, makes me think that one friend wouldn't leave the other in the lurch like this. Wouldn't abandon, for lack of a better word, his friend. So, uh, understanding that it did just opt in, but also understanding that I mean, KD has four years left in his contract, so maybe contracts are not what we thought that they were. How ironclad is it that Kyrie plays for Brooklyn this season? Oh, that, that's probably somewhere near a 0% chance. Listen, <laughs> you, there, there's there's no way that you move forward this season after trading Kevin Durant and put Kyrie Irving on the floor. No, like I just said, they're packing deal. You know, and now the Nets are in, are in asset acquisition mode, right? Now you're trying to get as many different young players and assets as you can. Uh, now that you're basically press, pressing the big red button on this, on this super team. I mean, think about it. These guys... Kevin Durant didn't play in his entire first year. Kyrie Irving only played 103 games over the first three seasons. 
And last season, I believe the number was 17 games that Katie and Kyrie played together. It's 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 just such a, a, a epic meltdown for this franchise from top to bottom, especially when you consider the fact that it's not every day that you get two of the most skilled players in NBA history on the same team wanting to play together to win a championship in your market. And the Nets had this opportunity, and now it's it's out the window. It's a dark day for, for Nets fans, for season ticket holders who already paid for their tickets for next year because they saw promotional material that had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving on it. it, it it's a dark day for sure. We're talking with Christian Winfield. He covers the Nets for the New York Daily News. A dark day indeed, considering the honeymoon, or the second honeymoon, so to speak, after Kyrie Irving had opted into his $36.5 million player option was short-lived and you brought up something that I I wanted to dive into a little further and about how Kevin Durant had been watching this situation and the Nets effectively telling Kyrie Irving with their actions go ahead and opt in so you can earn your long-term security after you prove to us this year that you are the guy we think you are and that you're going to be committed to us for the long term. Was this on the table, and by this I mean Kevin Durant wanting out because the Nets did not give Kyrie Irving that long-term deal, and did KD see the writing on the wall that this was not going to last potentially beyond this year and he's trying to get ahead of it? Um, yes, but on the other side of it, it's, you know, you, you, you have to have some sort of allegiance to those that you consider your family. And I think this was a strong show from Kevin Durant saying, hey, if you're not going to treat my brother the right way and pay him his worth and give him the guaranteed number of secure, uh, level of security that he needs to go out there and perform, I don't want to be here. right?" And that also has to play a part in it as well. And then you take into consideration, okay, well, even if you do have Kyrie on a one-year deal, now what happens next year? right? By, by Kyrie opting in for one year, this entire drama circuit that we saw this offseason revolving around his contract basically just got punted to next offseason, right? You're going to have to have the decision again. So it's going to be a repeat of everything. Um, in the end, I think it really just comes down to, you know, the Nets didn't do right by Kyrie Irving, which is, and I don't want to let Kyrie off the hook here. I mean, his decisions in terms of not showing up to work two weeks in a row last year when the, when the, the capital happened this year, not deciding to get vaccinated against COVID-19 in a city that has a vaccination mandate. I mean, there are things that he's done that any rightful employee would say, hey, you didn't fulfill the obligations of your contract. We reserve the right to, you know, dictate the terms of your next contract. But at the end of the day, Kyrie is one of the most skilled players of all time. And when you look at how these skilled skillful star players are treated by franchises, it's usually, you know, these, these franchises are giving their stars a level of power, a level of, 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 of direction here. Um, that wasn't used this season. Uh, the next obviously was to go in a different direction. And uh, <laughs> lo and behold, so did Kevin Durant. Christian, we're going to get you out on this and be as reckless with this as you want. If it's a, if it's a package deal, if it's just KD, if it's just Kyrie, best landing spot or landing spots, in your opinion, for th- this level of talent here? Um, that's a great question. I don't think there's a deal where Kevin Durant and Kyrie ever get traded to the same team together. I just think they make too much money, and what another team would have to have to, to get that is just beyond what any one team has. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we see, we've seen the reporting here that Kevin Durant's preferred location is in Phoenix, so I, I would like to see that. I think that's a good deal. The Nets could probably get back a bunch of young players. They could probably get back DeAndre Ayton in the signing trade and some draft compensation. Uh, as for Kyrie Irving, well, the Nets just came out, and Kyrie Irving came out. I reported it myself that there weren't very many 
you know, shooters and a sign and trade for Kyrie, but now you have him on a one-year deal. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's something that another team wants. But uh, I, I think Katie to Phoenix is probably a good deal where the Nets get a good amount of young players and draft compensation. NBA free agency, the gift that always keeps on giving, and it hasn't even officially started. We're still under two hours until things really right. kick off at 6 p.m. Eastern time. But Christian Winfield of New York Daily News here to break down everything that's going on with his franchise, which is uh, becoming the epicenter of the NBA world and sort of becoming a dumpster fire in its own right, considering Sean Marks, under his watch, will have let go of James Harden, Kyrie Irving potentially, and Kevin Durant if he does indeed get get traded out of their wild times indeed in Brooklyn. Christian, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Anytime. So sources are telling ESPN, like Christian had mentioned, the Phoenix Suns are a preferred destination for Kevin Durant on his wish list. The Miami Heat are also on that list as well. Where do you think Kevin Durant should get traded to away from the Brooklyn Nets? We're taking your calls on that next. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Best landing spot for Kevin Durant. Coming up next, Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This week at this time, Kyrie Irving had a list of six teams that he wanted to go to if he didn't end up agreeing to some deal with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, Kevin Durant has a list, too, except it has two teams on it where he wants to go after he requested, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, a trade away from the Brooklyn Nets just under 72 hours after... Kyrie Irving opted into his $36.5 million player option. Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, and Randy Scott with you on this Thursday afternoon, sitting in for the guys. As always, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. So that list includes two teams, the Phoenix Suns and the Miami Heat, sources telling ESPN. I personally, Randy, as I've been thinking about some of the scenarios of where it would make the most sense for Kevin Durant to play, would love to see him team up with Luka Doncic and 
the Dallas Mavericks, and I feel like the Mavericks could easily make this happen if you're thinking about the matching, you know, combining the matching salaries, send Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, D- Dwight Powell, Tim Hardaway Jr., maybe even you can throw Jalen Brunson in there via sign and trade. There are a whole ton of scenarios that could be fun to parse through, and that's why we're going to take your calls now on the CC call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Best landing spot for Kevin Durant now that he has requested a trade away from the Brooklyn Nets. Dante in Iowa, you've been very patient. We appreciate you hanging on. You're on Canty and Carlin. What you got? Well, I, it's been a heck of a day, a great sports day to start off with, I would say. <laughs> but um, in terms of uh, where KD could probably go, I would love to see him in Miami with, with Jimmy Butler, the way he's been playing lately. I think, I think that'd be a good move for him. Dante, thanks for the call. Appreciate it, Randy. What do you think of that? So his his idea is 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 what I wish he'd he'd uh, hung on just a little just a little bit longer. But like he wants him to he wants him to head where he he wants Miami. Durant, yeah, but like to do to be Kevin. Can you be full Kevin Durant in Miami? That's my question. I feel like I'm not saying that you stacked the call here that you knew where he was going to go <laughs> because I know you support Miami. But but look at like Miami is a cast of one. A's. They're a cast of twos. Like they have an alpha and his name is Udonis Haslam. You know what I mean? Like they're they're the anti big three NBA team. They will kill you with a thousand different daggers. None of them are, you know, samurai sword. You know what I mean? Like like Kevin Durant coming in changes the dynamic of heat culture. I'm not saying that he wouldn't buy in, and I'm not saying that Pat Riley would not be a tremendous salesman in that room if he got that audience with Kevin Durant, if he hasn't had it already. But I'm saying Kevin Durant at full KD capacity, I don't know exists within the current Miami Heat structure because of Jimmy Butler, because of Bam Adebayo. But maybe there is a blockbuster piece that leaves Miami to facilitate this deal that would open up that space to allow him to be what he's been for 14 NBA seasons. Well, you have to think of like what the trade compensation would be, too. With Miami, they lack the draft capital, I think, that it would take in order to get someone like Kevin Durant because they're limited now to trading two first-round picks in 2027 because that's their first available draft. They're going to be able to use that and then 2029. Could you package Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry, and then you know a first-round pick later on, even though it's many years away, for Kevin Durant? Potentially. I'm not so sure that their draft capital makes a ton of sense, though. I mean, these sign-in trades are interesting. It's kind of like how I have uh, claimed that NFL free agency became NFL trade agency. NBA free agency is sort of becoming NBA sign-in trade agency because that, (laughs) with the Phoenix Suns, might be the easiest way to, to offload some younger pieces that the Nets could end up rebuilding with and potentially even DeAndre Ayton in the sign-and-trade, sign considering they clearly don't want to pay him the rookie max extension and what he would be, he, what he would earn on that, and then getting Kevin Durant back in the trade for that. like It, it feels more like Phoenix is probably the team that can actually pull this off in terms of the draft capital and the players, too, that would come back in compensation. Let's also not lose sight of the significance and importance and respect uh, that Monty Williams commands. I mean, Monty Williams is in a class seemingly of his own within the NBA coaching ranks. I, I mean, you could put 
You could put Eric Spolster in there, which is interesting because, of course, it's it's Miami, and Miami's very much in the mix here. But but Monty Williams has a unique relationship with Kevin Durant that goes back to their time together at Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know that that should be overlooked or understated. Um, I don't know how attractive it is to play with Chris Paul, but it could be one of the uh, one of these like when he's on your team, you love him situations. It's almost like, you know like a Brad Marchand in hockey deal. Like you love him when he's your pest. So maybe you love playing with with Chris Paul when he's on when he's on your side. Um, uh, what is it about Phoenix that otherwise is appealing? Maybe Devin Booker. Uh, Devin Booker, the coaching situation. A chance to go stick it to the Golden State Warriors. Do we put that out of the realm of possibility, knowing who we're dealing with here? If you wanted to and do to that, be in that conference, go to Memphis. If you really want to irk Golden State, go to Memphis because that is the next rivalry. Or poten- that- potentially Dallas. Or Dallas. Yeah, I think you have a better shot at winning if you go to if you go to Golden State and you run with Ja. Maybe you lose a Desmond Bain in the process. You've already lost Anthony Melton. Like. I, I just I, I, there are other ways to be petty, and this is a guy who keeps receipts. We know that sure does. burners for burners for burners on days on Twitter. So I, I yeah I mean if you're looking for this to be a personal vendetta because he has a couple of rings and he's ready he's already cemented his offensive legacy and uh, any of that. But if it's about winning, if it's about winning, it's Miami. I just don't know what the cost is to get him. And he has to be assured. I'm sure that back channel has to happen. That conversation has to happen to make sure that he's not decimating a roster just by arriving there. Plenty more to get to here on Canty and Carlin. We'll continue to take your calls throughout the show about the best landing spot for Kevin Durant after he requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Phone lines are open. But coming up next, USC and UCLA are planning to move from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten as early as 2024. We'll get into the ramifications for that on another explosive day of conference realignment in college football. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. By the end of the evening, we could know more on whether USC and UCLA will officially be welcomed into the Big Ten. Two of the Pac-12's flagship programs are expected to leave. Sources telling John Wilner, Mercury News sports writer, covers the Pac-12 better than anyone I know. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott with you on this Thursday afternoon. Let's welcome in John Wilner. John, I know you broke this story a couple of hours ago. 
the aftershock and the the waves that this has sent through the college football landscape are monumental as far as what your reaction was when you found this out. Did this surprise you considering some of the things we'd heard in recent months about conference realignment? Yeah, in all honesty, Courtney, it did surprise me. I, I did not think, you know, for a variety of reasons that something like this would happen now. To me, it seemed more logical, you know, five, six years from now when, when I think, you know, uh, we were headed towards a, you know, like a mini NFL with 30 or 35 teams. Uh, so it was a, it was a pretty big surprise. Yes. So talking with, uh, with John Wilner here, this bombshell that college football got to, uh, I don't know, enjoy the sports focus and the sports microscope here for about, I don't know, 20 minutes before Kevin Durant jumped in. But the lasting impact here, we spoke with Heather Dinich, who just said, hey, this is only the beginning. I'm curious of a sense of foreboding, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Like, how unstable is the current college football landscape after this sort of seismic shift coming out of these two teams from Los Angeles? Uh, I'd say pretty unstable. Um, and I don't know for sure. I don't think we should assume that the Big Ten is done with 16 teams. Wow. And uh, certainly the Pac-12 is going to have to pick up the pieces. And what does that do strategically with the ACC and, and the Big 12, right? I mean, we are now at clearly at the point where there are two conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten, that are bigger and richer than everybody else. And there's not, I'm not sure now that there's a middle tier, right? I think that it's A, and then you skip all the way to C level with the ACC, Big 12, and, and, and Pac 12. Uh, and so those three conferences have got decisions to make, and they're at the mercy of the other two. I mean, if the SEC decides they want to go after, you know, Florida State and Clemson, or what if the Big 10 decides they want to get Oregon and Washington, you know, so. There, there could be a lot more rumblings, and this is all being driven by by this, particularly I think by Fox, which is Big Ten, the Big Ten's partner, just as the SEC expansion a year ago was was driven by ESPN. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We're talking with John Wilner, Pac-12 writer for the Mercury News, joining Courtney Cronin and Randy Scott here on Canty and Carlin. So I can remember a universe not that long ago where George Klievkoff, the Pac-12 commissioner, and Kevin Warren, the head of the Big Ten, uh, helped founded the Alliance, which was this movement to pause the college football playoff expansion, and they seemed to form a pact along with the ACC to collectively agree not to poach each other's members. So where does the alliance stand in all of this awkward conversation? I mean, it's been like, you know, stakes through the heart <laughs> all morning, right? Obviously, the the alliance, there was no legally binding agreement then. It was a gentleman's agreement, so to speak. And, and obviously that lasted what, 11 months, not even, not even 11 months, I think basically 10 months. And then then what happened is the big 10 is renegotiating their media rights deal. And Fox said, look, we can get you a billion or we can get you a billion five or billion eight. If you add UCLA and USC and so money talks and USC and UCLA were certainly willing to listen. Curious from a logistics standpoint with regard to Lincoln Riley, what he knew and when he knew it, because if I'm Riley and I and I'm as blindsided as most of college football fandom is today, I've got a serious conversation with the board of regents out there with the Trojans. Because my road to the college football playoff, my job became more difficult today 
than it was when I took this gig. So I'm curious your level of understanding, and I want to steer you down the road of wild speculation, John, but what do you think Riley knew about this move? You mean when he took the USC job? When he, when he took the USC job. How, oh, how far in advance was this in the works? Oh, I, this has been in the works as far as I know for just a few weeks, you know, maybe maybe a month or two. But okay. back in December, that this was this was not a thing. So it's all new to him. I mean, I'm I'm just kind of presuming he, you know, he was scared to play South Carolina and would much rather face Ohio State. <laughs> let's let let's clip that off, please. Let's run that back. I want to play that sounder in the future. So the Big Ten is now the Big Sixteen, or will soon be. They pick up yet another major market, so they their footprint is going to expand to five of the seven largest metro markets, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Washington, D.C., and Philadelphia. And, and, John, I know that you said that we shouldn't assume the Big Ten is done. Where else do you think that they could be looking to add, potentially from the Pac-12? Well, I mean, Seattle's a good market, right? And and Washington certainly has the academic reputation that I think would satisfy Big 12 presidents. That's a good football program. You know, Seattle is, uh, you know, you got Microsoft and Amazon and, and a lot of people. So I, I think that, that if they are looking to go to 18 or more, I would imagine Washington is on their short list. And they probably would think about Oregon, too, even though Oregon doesn't have, you know, a media market uh, of that size. The Ducks have a national brand. They've got Nike, uh, you know, and so if I think if the Big 12 – Big Ten presidents are interested in, you know, welcoming Phil Knight into the conference. They would give some thought to to Oregon. So those would be the two obvious ones out here. Where else could they go nationally? I mean, I, there have been rumors for eons about Jim Delaney wanting, you know, Duke and North Carolina. Uh, and I also think, you know, Missouri, I've always said Missouri would make a lot of sense. I know they're in the SEC right now, but you never know. Other sports outside of football here, because Duke and North Carolina, the draw, in my opinion, right, is, is, is college basketball. But looking at baseball, looking at the impact that softball has, the viewership numbers are up for a lot of these non-football sports. I'm just curious, logistically, how some of those sports get off the ground here, if we're talking about super conferences, with geographic limitations being what they are. Right, yeah. I mean, for the Olympic sports for USC and UCLA, now, they're, you know, they're going to be traveling – you know, 2,500 miles is going to be a short trip for them. Uh, so, but it's a huge question out West because the Pac-12 obviously has got, you know, a ton of elite Olympic sports, right? I mean, it has basically been the feeder system for the U.S. Olympic team for a long time. And without USC and UCLA and potentially fracturing, you know, that's, that's going to impact the Pac-12's Olympic sports for sure. I don't know, you know, Obviously, USC and UCLA have thought through the impact on those athletes. Uh, you know, tennis teams going to play at, in, you know, Rutgers. But uh, it's those are kind of along for the ride, right? Because the TV networks, Fox is not paying for, for golf, right? That's It's all about USC football and UCLA. USC, UCLA make a big calculated leap here as John Wilner broke the story earlier this afternoon. They are planning to move from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten as early as 2024. And we could know more as information becomes imminent here on ESPN Radio. John, thanks so much for the time. Thanks for having me.
That's John Wilner, Pac-12 writer for the San Jose Mercury News. Coming up next, we'll get back into your calls on the best landing spot for Kevin Durant. Plus, how does the DeJounte Murray trade impact Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks? That's next. Kenny and Garland, ESPN Radio. Are they contenders or are they pretenders? That's what folks are asking now about the Atlanta Hawks. After the trade that sent DeJounte Murray from the San Antonio Spurs to team up with Trey Young and company, Candy and Carlin, Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott sitting in for the guys. So when I saw this trade, Randy, I immediately thought, okay, this changes my opinion of the Eastern Conference and, and where the Atlanta Hawks stand you know, following their, their series that they had a couple months ago against the Miami Heat. But now I think that top three backcourt in the NBA, not hyperbole with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. And on the defensive end, you have a second team, uh, you know, second team all defensive player from the 2017-18 season, now a part of the mix to give you not necessarily a great defense, but more than just a serviceable one that we know the Atlanta Hawks don't have to be the best defense in the NBA to get far in the playoffs. How do you view what this trade and how this trade will impact Trey Young going forward. It's so for I think Trey is the sun in this particular galaxy, right? Okay. This, this this particular universe for the Hawks. So for me, it's more like DeJounte's gonna have to adjust his game to what Trey does. And I'm curious about the fact because you can spin the the, the stats for DeJounte Murray and make him seem like a uniquely gifted NBA player over the last 50 seasons with regard to the scoring averages, the assists averages, on down to two steals a game. Because for Trey Young and DeJounte Murray to have games with 10 or more assists while scoring 20 points, they're the only, So to, to speak to your point, Courtney, they're the only backcourt where two of those guys are in the same roster. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, Darius Garland, James Harden, Luka Doncic, those are the only players to go for 20 points and even eight assists per game in the previous season. Now you're going to have two of them side by side. But obviously, like there's only so much basketball to go around. Trey's going to get his shots. It's up to Murray to adjust his game. So does Trey become more of an off-ball shooter? Or is his handle, is he going to be so ball-dominant? Is he going to be able to stay so ball-dominant? And how does that impact Murray's shooting? So keep in mind, Boston just made an NBA Finals run without really a true point guard. I mean, Mar- Marcus Smart is an elite defensive player. He is not a true point guard. So Atlanta is uniquely facilitated in that role. I don't know, though, how Murray's game adjusts to Trey. I don't think we're going to see the same scoring averages is my point. Well, I think that he's going to be able to do things to allow Trey Young to move without the ball and potentially make Trey Young a better player in in that respect. And you've gotten DeJounte Murray now where he's coming off the best season of his career, 21.1 points per game, average 9.2 assists and Mm 8.3 rebounds per game. There's a lot to like there, and there's a lot to like for – the pairing of him and Trey Young going forward for this Atlanta Hawks team. Free agency in the NBA will effectively be on hold until Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets make their decision of where Durant is going to play this next season. He has requested a trade away from the Nets, according to Woj. Where will he go, and what are his best landing spots? That's, we're gonna, we're, that's what we're going to dive into now here on Canyon Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, taking your calls, 888-SAY-ESPN, CC call-in line, 888-729-3776. So Randy Scott, Courtney Cronin here for you with you, sitting in for the guys on this Thursday afternoon. He has two teams on his list right now of where he'd like to go, Phoenix Suns, 
and the Miami Heat. Are there others that we should be considering in the mix? Eli, you're on ESPN Radio. Eli in Maryland, what's going on? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I, I'm in Maryland, but I'm a Colorado sports fan through and through, so go Habs. Throw that out there. Um, <laughs> but I just thought I want to see your, your guys' thoughts on uh, him uh, maybe linking up in Denver with a, a healthy Jamal Murray and, of course, the uh, back-to-back MVP. Hey, Eli, thanks so much for the call. So my brain goes to would Murray and MPJ be there? Because if you're the Denver Nuggets, you have the assets to make it happen in terms of like draft capital and players. If you're going to beat every other team out there that would be wanting to inquire for Kevin Durant's services, if you're Denver, I'm offering Murray, MPJ, Bones Highland, and potentially three first-round picks. Who could say no to that? No, you're right. That that deal gets it done. Do you want to make that deal if you're Denver, though? You know, they, like like what are you what what are you left with? You're left with the two time reigning MVP, a guy in Kevin Durant who's won an MVP award before, but is also turning 34 before the season starts. Who has 14 NBA seasons under his belt? You've lost Will Barton. You've lost Monty Morris. Like, I, who? How bare is the cupboard if you it feels add? Like it would be. Right, and Jok- Jokic and, and Durant would only get you so far before you run into smaller teams like the Golden State Warriors and, and the teams that can kill you with their athleticism like that. And you've got a guy in Jokic who is due and deserving of the Supermax, the Supermax, the likes of which we haven't seen yet. It would be a 254 to $264 million deal. So you add that to what KD is already owed under his current contract, you've got nearly $100 million committed to two players when the cap is going to be about $155 million. So mm-hmm. now LeBron has made it work. LeBron has been able to win with that roster. And these are younger, talented, you know, more talented players than LeBron James. But you still need a point guard. You still need to be able to fill out your roster with not just you know veteran minimums. You've got to be able to fill it out with some mid-level exception guys and be able to compete in a pretty stacked Western Conference. Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott with you on Canty and Carlin. A little bit more context here. According to Woj, KD and Kyrie want to continue to play together, but not in Brooklyn. And like you and I have been talking about where Kevin Durant is about to leave the Brooklyn Nets, it's pretty obvious that Kyrie Irving has also played his last game in Brooklyn after opting into his $36.5 million player option. Doesn't feel like he will stay there without KD. Can you fantasize a world where Brooklyn's like, yeah, let's just facilitate getting the both of you's out of here after all that you just put us through this week, but also through the last season to go win a championship for somebody else. Like, I can't see that happening. <laughs> I can't either. Shannon's got his hands up. <laughs> Shannon's got his hands up. I'm not blaming up. you, Shannon. I'm just blaming the audacity that the two of them are trying to be like, we don't want to stay here, Brooklyn, but please yeah. send us, do all the work behind the scenes via sign-in trades to send us somewhere else. Okay, please okay, and thank okay. you. This is not real life because NBA free agency in offseason has become fantasy world. So I'm just going to throw this out there to both of you. All right, if Katie and Kyrie want to play together, Katie and Kyrie to the Lakers for Russ and Anthony Davis, who says no? Uh, I do. That's not enough. Who wants, and more. Who, wants, enough. who wants Russell what? Westbrook's contract, Shannon? That's the problem. But I don't want that if I'm the Brooklyn Nets. The thing is an albatross. The money, the the money the Nets, works. If the, the Nets, you're not getting anything better back than Anthony Davis, though. 
right? If you're the Nets. If you're a team that's going into rebuilding mode, is Anthony Davis then the player that you're going to build around? You'd probably ship off Ben Simmons too, or do you keep him in that fold? Listen, you're obviously willing to have a part-time player because you've had Kyrie Irving. You've tried to keep (laughs) Kyrie Irving. So you've got Anthony Davis. who at the very least part-time player. At the very least, you'd be getting two guys in Westbrook and Davis who don't have questions about their love for the game of basketball. About their about the fact of whether or not they want to play. They want to play. Now I see Shannon Crane in his head. I can tell even behind the mask. Do you don't, we? Do we though? Davis, about Anthony Davis. He just gets hurt. He just gets. Yeah, I don't think you can really fault him for that. He's not gonna take him take himself off the floor through some word vomit, word salad mind riddle of like y'all are sheep and I'm out here and I'm. There are more important things in basketball. Not when you're making thirty seven and a half million dollars. There's not. You want to take a social stand? That's great. But get yourself on the basketball court to be able to draw attention to what your aims are off the floor. Kyrie Irving is a thoughtful, informed, intelligent athlete in the 21st century. He may be ahead of his time with regard to being representative of the 22nd century for all we know. (laughs) But for right now, if you're trying to fill out a roster, if you're trying to win an NBA championship, it's what's the Patriots saying? Your best ability is your availability. Like you have to be on the floor. Fair point. Fair point. Triple eight CSPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Best landing spot for Kevin Durant via a sign in tra- via via a trade. Uh, Justin in Ohio. Give me a team that is not Miami or Phoenix to send Kevin Durant. Thanks for taking my call, guys. So I think I, I've come up with the perfect solution for everybody here. We, we send Kyrie and Kevin to the Bulls for Levine, Pat Williams, probably Colby White, and maybe our 23, 24, and 27 first round. What do you guys think? As a native Chicagoan, mm-hmm. I'd love it because that would, that would bring so much joy to a Bulls fan base that keeps thinking it can't get over the hump in the postseason as we saw this first round exit. Against uh, the excuse me, against the Milwaukee Bucks this past season, you worry about the health issues with Lonzo Ball. I mean, at least at this point, you'd be able to avoid wondering. Okay, we give Zach Levine the super max. Can he stay healthy? Will we? Will he see this contract through? You avoid all of that in packaging all of those players and sending them off to to Brooklyn. That's a lot of first round picks, though, for guys who are you know Kyrie's thirty years old, Kevin Durant's thirty four years old. I don't think you can scoff at the notion about the Bulls pulling something like this off Randy but um as the as the way the roster is currently constructed I feel like you run into another scenario in Chicago where it's KD it's Kyrie and then then what else because you just can't trust Lonzo in the health no no and in in again can you trust Kyrie one thing that I loved that we had on earlier in the show talking to uh uh, talking to Christian was this is not a it's a package deal in terms of them both being gone but not a package deal in terms of them landing in the same place mm-hmm. because you've seen if you're one of these other NBA franchises you've seen what the ceiling is for them like when you have Katie and Kyrie the ceiling is a deep run in the postseason but you've also seen the floor which is a first round sweep all right is Kevin Durant going to the Big Ten or is he going to go somewhere <laughs> else we're going to find out next here on Kenny and Garland ESPN radio and the ESPN app <laughs> 